you know how we can enjoy the presence of the Lord and we can enjoy sometimes feeling his weight or the weight of his presence upon us. It is yet still only the word that can open the eye. Because the scripture says, the scripture says that when we behold him with an open face, then we are changed into the same image from glory to glory. In other words, we can be in his presence, but if there's a veil, a blindness, then we don't transform the way we should. Right? Because when you're in his presence, you must see. And the manner in which he opens eyes is by the opening of God's word. So, when you look in Luke chapter 24, on that post-resurrection, post meaning afterwards, after Jesus rose from the dead, there were these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And as they were walking, the Bible says Jesus drew near. And he drew near, and the scripture says, but they did not know him. Because their eyes were withheld from knowing him. And that eyes is not the physical eye. That eye was the internal eye of understanding to perceive and to grasp him. And this is one of the reasons why in the wilderness, when God brought Israel out, he, he didn't give them a physical appearance where they could see someone. But he kept speaking to them in hope that when, as he speaks, they might perceive him. Right? And so, the, and then in Luke chapter 24, as he goes on, they have a problem, and the problem is, is that they cannot see him. They cannot perceive him, even though he is with them. And the scripture says, and beginning at Moses, and all the scriptures, he began to explain all things concerning himself. Himself. And as he did that, the scripture says that their hearts were burning and then he took bread, he broke it, and distributed it, and gave it. At that moment, the Bible says, and their eyes were opened. No one fell. No one had a powerful experience of a presence that overcame them. All they did was they walked with him and listened as he explained the word concerning himself. And as he explained the word concerning himself, he was slowly but surely opening their eyes. And the scripture says, 
that we should pray. Or Paul says, I am praying that God would grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Right? That your eyes may be, the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. So what opens the eye? Revelation. And, and it is in, it is, and the desire is, is that we should be in His presence with open eyes. Because when you're in His presence with open eyes, internal eyes, understanding Him, perceiving Him, you know, knowing who He is, you have sight, not physical sight, but internal sight, understanding. It is in that moment that you change, change, change. Right? So, you can choose, you can choose the suffering and allow him to change you in the suffering. Or you can choose, let, speak thy word, O Lord. Speak your word to me and open my eyes. So, while we were standing, I was thinking, Lord, Shouldn't I just go back to my seat and let's just continue? Then the Lord gave me the word. He said, only the word can open the eye. So, on that instruction, I must continue to speak. The word opens the eye. If you want to know him, you must have a word that explains him. And that opens the eye of understanding. That we perceive. And that's when a veil removes. I cannot give you. Revelation. I can speak. The revelation that I've received. But I cannot give you. Revelation. Because it is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says. Eye has not seen. Ear has not heard. Neither has it entered into the. Heart of man. The things that God has prepared for them that love Him. But it is revealed unto us by His Spirit. So even while I'm preaching, I can preach from what I have received and the revelation that I have. But unless you rely on the Holy Spirit... And when you rely on the Holy Spirit, it means that you have a desire to know. You have a desire to see and perceive Him. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit does the work of opening your eye. Amen? So even as in the book of Acts, as Paul preached, he preached and he preached. And as he preached... Some people hardened their heart. And then he said, Having eyes to see, yet you do not see. And having ears to hear, yet you do not hear. So, the heart must long for. And this morning I experienced that. That longing of God's people for Him. The desire to know Him. And... So my prayer is that you would ask the Holy Spirit to cause you to see. Right? 
So as we go in this message, you will hear things that you have heard. And you may hear things that you have not heard. But it is not about what you have heard or have not heard. It is about, is the Holy Spirit, are you allowing the Holy Spirit to pierce your veil? And that veil means there's a blindness in the heart. It is the heart that must perceive Him. And when you perceive Him, it is in that way that you change in His presence. When Moses said to God, show me your glory. God did not come down with a presence that slain him. God came down with a presence where Moses himself went and bowed down before him. If you read Exodus 33 and 34, show me your glory. He was not asking, show me your power. He was asking God, I want to know you. Show me your glory. And when he came, and the Bible says, and the Lord descended in a cloud and he came there. And as he came, Moses went and knelt down. And then this happened. God began to speak to him. And then it says, he, the Lord proclaimed his name to Moses. The word proclaim there also means he preached about himself to Moses. Which is what happened in, Ex- in Luke 24. He, beginning at the scriptures and all things, he explained all things concerning him. Self. Why? Because sight. Hindrance to see. And as Moses was there, in that place, in that place where he was in his presence, but God was speaking to him. He proclaimed his name. And as he proclaimed his name, he said, I am the Lord God, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. He was revealing his glory to him. And when you see that, when he came out from that fellowship with God, it is there that the Bible says his face was shining. So power can make you do many things for God, but only fellowship with open eyes can have an effect upon you, where it changes you. And this is why the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18, But we all with open face behold as in a glass, a mirror, the glory of the Lord, who He is. We are changed into the very same image from glory to glory. So why am I saying that? I want you to desire sight. Desire sight. But the only person that can give you sight is the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit also uses a preacher to communicate the word because the Holy Spirit takes the word and opens eyes. Are you all with me? Okay. So, let's go to Ephesians. 
I'm going now somewhere where I did not plan to go. Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 30. So he says, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. This is the great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Marriage. The relationship between a husband and a wife is a great mystery. Now, there are many mysteries in the Bible, but there are very few places where it says it's a great mystery. Right? Marriage is a great mystery. If you marry, turn to your wife, your husband say, Amen. Ons figurum nog eight. <laughs> right? Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. When you read Ephesians chapter 5, you've got to understand that Paul was speaking his revelation from Genesis chapter 2. Pre-4. Okay? What he was saying there was coming from Genesis. His understanding that he received and then he explained it in the New Testament and wrote it down for us. Right? Are you all with me? Because he says, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife. Where does that come from? Genesis chapter 2. So it was his revelation from Genesis chapter 2 that he wrote Ephesians chapter 5 on marriage, pre-fall, right, pre-fall, giving you the original design, the original blueprint for, for actually marriage. Okay, so let's read from verses, let's just read verses 7. Genesis 2 verse 7. Okay. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. So today I'm not speaking about marriage. Okay. Today I'm speaking about Christ. Okay. But in the marriage is a truth concerning him and the church. You. Right? Me. So, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. So, first we're going to look at the natural, and then we're going to look at the spiritual. So, he makes a man. He forms him from the ground. He comes from the dust. As he comes from the dust, within him, he, there is, there is both almost say, how can I say this, without it being taken wrong, 
because there was no, because physically there was no woman, yet that part was still caught up in him. He was alone. Right? Okay? He was alone. There was no physical companion. But the physical companion had to come out of him. Because it was in him. If you look at the Hebrew words for man, Adam, it is the, well let me say it like this. After he made the woman from the man, only then you are introduced to Hebrew words, Ish and Isha. Right? So I don't know where we got our slang from Ish. (laughs) Right? Because it's a Hebrew word, Ish. And Ish is for man. Isha is for woman. But before there was Isha, there was no Ish. There was only Adam in Hebrew. Are you with me? So, the Holy Spirit never used the words Ish and Isha because, and only all throughout. So, if you read Adam or if you read and the Lord God formed man, Adam. Adam means from the ground, red. Okay? Adam means, and Adam is the inclusion of male and female. Right? It is the inclusion of male and female, Adam. Until God made the woman, then he started changing that word Adam in Hebrew to Ish and Isha. Okay? So, here, man was made, but man had a problem. The problem that man had is that he was alone. Okay? So, let's read that in verses, verses 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. Right? So it's not good for Adam to be alone now speaking physically. Are you all with me? Okay? So it's not good for man to be alone, for Adam to be alone. The challenge that Adam had is that he was physically alone. No fellowship, no companion, no one to share what he has with. No one to speak to, no one to become intimate with, no one to love, no one to be with. That is the challenge that Adam has. And Adam... And God understanding this in God saying it's not good for man to be alone. God understands that it is not good for you to be alone. So all the singles out here today. God knows. 
it's not good. <laughs> right? And may, may God do for you what he said to me. He said, God gave me this many years ago when I gave my heart to the Lord, when I had the challenge of, uh, of looking for a wife. The Lord said to me, the Lord said to me, I will send her to you. Because the scripture says, and he brought the woman to the man. So he said, I'll bring her to you. And waarlik sê, het gekom van Zuid-Afrika af. He sent her to me. Right? So may God send your other half to you. Okay. So, 18, he says, not good. So then he, verse 19 it says there, and out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. So, God makes, after he said it's not good for man to be alone, he then makes every animal, all the beasts of the field, he makes for uh, for creation to be filled physically. But yet, whatever he made was not compatible for him. And then, we read in verse 20. As in verse 19, he said, he made all the animals to see what Adam would call them. Right? Verse 20, and Adam gave names to all cattle and fowl of the air, every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a help meet for him. So the names that Adam gave, Adam thought like what God thought. The name Adam means what? From the ground. Red. So God gave him a name from where he came from. Are you with me? So you come from the ground, you are Adam, Adama. Then he makes all the animals, and, and Adam gives them names. And as he gives them names, it's still not a name that explains that you came out of man. Because if you are going to be Ish, then whatever comes out of you must necessarily be Isha. Because man came from the ground, Adam, Ada, Ad, Adama, right? Are you with me? Okay? So, look what it says here. Verse 20. And the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead there, of. So he puts him to a deep sleep. Okay. This is the first operation that took place. Put you in a deep sleep. So you can't feel the pain of the operation. As God opens you up. Takes out from you a bone. To make for you a woman. And, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. So he took the rib that came out from Adam, 
So when God made a woman for man, he did not go to the ground. He went to the man. And he took Adam and he took his rib. And he took from his rib and made with that rib a woman for him. So that he would not be alone. And then he brought that woman to the man. Verse 23. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called Isha. Isha. Right? You come out of me. That's why I call you woman. The woman. You came from the man. Right? And you came out from me. That's why your name is woman. I was Adam before there was woman. I was Adam from the ground. And that's, and where I came from, that's how God gave me his name. My name. But now that you come out of me, I will call you woman. For you are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. You are substance of my substance. You are of the same flesh, of the same bone. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says there are different kinds of fleshes. There is the flesh of the fish. There is the flesh of the beast of the field. And there is the flesh of man. And for man to have a woman or someone that is compatible with him, they need to have the same flesh as him. Woman, you are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Then it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. I always read, therefore shall a man leave. And I was like, I scratched my head often. What does that mean? And if you take it from right there in Genesis chapter 2, from the context of Adam, why is he pursuing his woman? Because she came out from him, a piece left him. No wonder a man wants a woman and a woman wants a man. Because originally from the beginning, they came out from... The woman came out of the man and so a piece is missing. And the only way you can be one is if you find the other one. Okay? But thank God for Christ you can be one in Him. Okay? Right? So the very reason why you are... Why so many of us have a longing for somebody is because right there in Genesis, they were taken out of you. And for this reason, a man is looking for a woman. For this reason, we long for each other. For this reason, we pursue each other. And it says the man will leave so that he may cleave, join, be one. That joint is making them one so that, they, so that they are as one. Taking something that was broken, separated, bringing them together. Right? So, oneness, oneness is where 
Two. One mistakes more than single. Singleness. There's be one, two. Then you, when they come together, it equals one, not three, or two. One plus one equals one. I know the Viskanamaki Sunni, Maradun, right? Okay? But now the Bible says, and this is a great mystery concerning Christ and the church. In the natural, we have marriage, but the marriage was always meant to display Christ and his church. It was to reveal that. Okay? So, what is the mystery here? And we read in Romans chapter 5 that it says, Adam was a figure of him who is to come. In other words, Adam, Adama, was pointing to the fact that Christ was alone. Before anything was created, God was alone. And it was not good for God to be alone. It was not good for God to be love and have no one to love. It was not good for Christ to be who He is. We say God is love. Not just that God loves, but that it is, part of, it is who He is. Is love. And how can you be love when you have no one to love? Therefore, it was not good for God to be alone. Right? And so, what, how, what was the solution? How was God, how was Christ going to deal with the issue that He's alone? He has to do what he already showed us prophetically through Adam. What did God do to Adam? He put him to sleep. Sleep is death. Because when Lazarus was dead, and they came to Jesus and said, Lord, Lazarus is sick. And he started to journey. And when he came to them, some met him outside before he came to the grave, to the tomb. They said, Lord, if you had been here, he would have still been alive. Jesus said, don't worry, he's sleeping. Then the disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, then he'll be awake. What is the rush? You must stand, we are up. Jesus said, no, 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 no. I'm saying he's dead. But because I'm resurrection, it's only a sleep. I'll wake him up from the grave. I'll bring him back to life. Sleep is a picture of death. And so, when God took Adam and put him to sleep, Jesus Christ, when he entered into the earth, he knew that his destiny was to be crucified and die. Because without death, he can never have his woman. Without death, he can never extract His own bride out of himself. He needed death 
to bring him out. And that's why when, when he was on the cross being crucified and when he died, right? When he died, they pierced his side and out of his side came blood and water. Blood and water is what was used to give birth to the church. Because what comes out of the side is what you take to make a woman. And so Jesus had to hung, hang on the cross, be there, and then be pierced on the side so that God can take the substance that is in Christ and out of there bring forth a bride for Him. Therefore you are substance of His substance. And that's why the scripture says, in the, in the book of Ephesians, it says, We are bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. But in actual fact, how we became bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh is because God killed Adam through Christ on the cross. Because he was the last Adam. He killed the last Adam and then took Adam's body and made it his when he purchased it with his blood. And he made our bodies his body, his flesh and his Bone. Right? But, for us to be substance of His substance, God is Spirit. They that are born of the Spirit, that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. And this is why the Bible says that we should not have fornication. We should not sleep around. Right? Fornicate. Because... Our bodies belong to Christ. And if we sleep around, we take his body and join it to a harlot. Because our bodies belong to him. But then he says, but he that belongs to the Lord is one spirit with him. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. In, in other words... When, where did we come from? We came from Christ. And when we came from Christ, we were then of the same substance as Him. And this is where I said to you in the past, sonship is not just a position. You know, when you are adopted naturally, you cannot say we are of the same DNA. But when you come out from your father and your mother, you can say we are of the same DNA. When Christ died on the cross, it was so that we would come out from Him. And that is how there is a new creation. Because the new creation, when he killed the old one on the cross, when he buried Adam, but he rose and he brought forth the church that came out from him. Out from him. There was a new creation. And that creation is spirit of his spirit. That which is born of spirit is spirit. It is an actual, you are, it is your being. You exist. In, in, in your inner man, your spirit man is of the very same substance as Christ. 
So to say that we are the church is to say that we are of the very same substance as Christ himself. Is to say that is to say that we are not just in a position or adopted like naturally, but we have actually been birthed out of him. We are born of God. We are of him. We are of the same substance. So, if I came out of him only after I died, after he died, listen carefully, if we came out of him only after he died, then it meant I died with him. So when Christ was crucified, was I crucified? Come on, you got to make sense of scriptures. You are crucified with him. How? When? Where? How? When did that happen? Because we came out from him, and because the woman was always in him, and for Christ to give his woman, he had to first die. So when he was made sin, I was made sin with him. When he was punished, I was punished with him. When he was crucified, I was crucified with him. Therefore, when he was made alive, I was made alive with him. And when he brought me out, I came into that existence. I am of the same state of a new state of existence. I am spirit of his spirit. I have already died. That's why this, that's why the scripture would say this. Let's read it in. Romans chapter 5. Sorry, Romans chapter 6. And verses... Four. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Erection. The word planted there in the Greek means to be born together with. Alright? It means to be united closely. But it has this idea of being born. It is a Greek word that is sumphutos. I don't know if I'm saying correctly. The Greeks but sum is worth and this futos means to be born, to beget. In other words, the minute you were birthed out of him, 
you were at the same time planted and you were brought into a resurrected life. So your new birth did so many things at one time. So in actual fact, the baptism that Romans chapter 6 is talking about is not water baptism. I have to even correct that on myself. The baptism that you read about to really understand what is happening there, the baptism, you would have to understand that it's not talking about water baptism. The minute you were born of God, you were planted, buried, you were made alive, you were given a new state of existence. And in that new state of existence, that, that birthing and that plant, that birthing was a planting also. That birthing was coming into a new state of existence where you are spirit of his spirit. You received a new life. Right? In your inner man. And so, in the being born again, I have experienced both crucifixion, I am made free, I am a dead, I died with him, and I am alive with him. Because water baptism didn't really kill you. It was when you were born of him, you were taken and planted. You died with him. Tell the person next to you, I'm dead with him. Let's. See, read verses 6. Verses 6. It says there, knowing this, that our old man was crucified. Remember, man, to, to understand that, to understand that you need to understand that you are free. You are spirit, you are soul, and you are body. Are you okay with it? We are spirit, soul, and body. When Adam, when God said to Adam, the day you eat from the tree, you will die. And when Adam eat from, ate from the tree, did he fall down dead? So where did he die? In his spirit. But what is death? Death is separation from something. What was he separated from? Eternal life. God. He was separated from life. And when he was separated from life, because of sin, he died. But because of the rest of his, the other two parts of him, soul and body, that was still so full of the life, 
It took him many years to die. Physically. And then he died two deaths. Spirit and physically. He died physically because he died internally. So that is what the Bible calls you are dead because of sin. But now that you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been forgiven of your sin. You have been washed from your sin. The old man was crucified with him. So the old man is dead and now he gave you a new spirit, a new creation. He did not renovate your spirit. You are a new creation. Your spirit man was not renovated. It was a totally new one. Are you with me? So, that new one, that old man that had sinned and died, has been crucified with him, buried away, and you were given a new spirit, a new state of existence. In your inner man, you are alive with him. So your old man, now the, the scripture says, you must know. Know this. Tell the person next to you, know this. Your old man is crucified. But now you say, if my old man is crucified, why am I struggling with sin? It's because you don't know this. He says, know this. That your old man is crucified, was crucified. Do you know that you are dead to sin? You know what dead to sin means? What is death? Separation. Do you know that your spirit man has been separated from sin? Do you know that your 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 spirit man, your inner man, has zero sin in it. Do you know that your spirit man is so free from sin? That it is enjoying the life of God. Your spirit man is so alive to God. But you have to know it. You have to know that you are. The old man is crucified. Look what it says. The old man was crucified. Listen, it's not like a... It's, you don't have to make the statement, I am crucified with Christ. As if it never really happened, but I'm just taking it by faith. No, in the New Testament, faith is reality. It was done. That inner man of yours died with Christ. That inner man is crucified with Christ. That inner man is free from sin. 
And it is so free from sin so that it may give you power over the body of sin. The expressions of sin. The lying, the stealing, all those things that, that you see outwardly. Because sin there, sin is actually a noun. In other words, God dealt with sin itself that produced all the other things. It's like going to the root of a tree. Cut the roots off, the tree falls dead. So Jesus didn't have to struggle with all your sins. He just had to add these sin upon him. He was made sin for us. So that he may kill it, condemn it, crucify it. So that I may come forth in a new state of existence. And I can only deal with the body of sin. If I can understand that I am free from sin. Knowing this, that my old man was crucified with him. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. I have a new nature inside of me. The nature of righteousness. I started to realize, I started to realize that when we don't understand faith properly, we, we create laws. Because faith in the New Testament has to do with realities that are yours. In the Old Testament, they had faith, but could not live in the reality. Even, even sonship was a promise from the Old Testament, which they could not inherit, could not receive, because the time had not yet arrived. But for those who believe in Jesus Christ, they have now been made sons. Faith has now become substance, reality. The promise of the Holy Spirit was in the Old Testament was what they were waiting for. Joel chapter 2 shall, shall come to pass in the last days that God shall pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. Upon his maidservants, his men's servants, and upon him. It was a promise of the outpouring. In Acts chapter 2, Peter stood up and said, This is that which was spoken by Joel, that in the last days God shall pour out his spirit upon all flesh. In other words, in other words, faith has now become substance. Faith has now become reality. Where for them they were believing, but could not have the reality. But in Acts chapter 2, they got the reality. Truly you are crucified with Him. Truly you are free from sin. He dealt with sin. And if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... It is when you believe in Him and accept Him that that word becomes your reality. That He deals with sin. That which gives power to sin. 
those expressions of it. And when we don't understand that faith is actually, I have it already. But we have to understand that we are three, spirit, soul, and body. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. Because if I say I'm crucified, which part of me? My spirit man was crucified with him. Read, read in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 11. Let's read verses 10. Read from verses 10. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for Now, if you, if you look at yourself, okay, quickly tell the person next to you what you're struggling with. <laughs> What's it? I thought you're all sanctified and holy people. <laughs> oh, we're all saved by the blood of Jesus. You see, now that's where your struggle is. Because I, I don't want to tell the person next to me what I am struggling with. But even that struggle that I'm struggling with is a struggle for me to read, I am sanctified once for all. In other words, tomorrow, if, when did you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior? Did you accept Him two years ago as your Lord and Savior? That means today He's not going to sanctify you. Because He did it once. He's not going to do it again. Right? He may sanctify your behaviors, etc. Right? By the washing of the water of the word. But there's a part of you that will never be sanctified again. It was done once and for all. Your spirit man is so clean. That's the only way you can understand the scriptures like if you are born of God, you cannot sin. Because we all know we're doing it. That's why you didn't want to tell anybody anything next to you. The only way you can understand that you cannot sin is because my spirit man is sanctified once for all. It cannot enter back into sin. Because the state in which I exist is holy, set apart, cleansed, washed forever. Read. Let's go on and read verses, verses 11. For every priest stands daily now this is going back to the Old Testament. You see, that's why, that's why 
I have a problem with this. Every day when you pray, Yada Fakiva me, Faali Danga Vatakaduna. You know, because because we have to repeat every time because we don't know that I engage him with my spirit. And my spirit is clean and can enter his throne boldly by the blood of the Lamb. Do you understand? He says, but in the Old Testament, every priest that was ministering daily in the tabernacle, you know the tabernacle, the outer court, the holy court, and the holy of holies, that golden box with the angels standing like this, and they carried this tent around them with ever, wherever they went, and then they had to, when they pitched a tent, if you sinned, you had to bring your offering for your sins. And the priest would daily have to minister, right, your offerings for your sin. But then there was also once a year, they would also have this huge, um, this, this sacrifice that was brought so that they could forgive the sins of the people. And it says, so they offered daily, repeatedly. Why? Because people sinned daily, repeatedly. Tell the person next to you what you're struggling with. Now, maybe we should... Um, your pigeons and your, for your offerings of your sin. Because you know daily you are failing. Yes. <laughs> right? Listen. Repeatedly, daily, it says those sacrifices could not do what? Take away the sin. They could not. So much blood. So much animals sacrificed, flayed, whipped, shredded, blood, daily. Hey, those priests are moeilijk gekry. Was soos plaasboere. Tja, tja, tja. Cut, blood, blood. But yet it could not take away the sin. Verses 12. But this man, this Jesus, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he, he doesn't need to return to die for your sins. He had to only do it once. He had to only die once. And by one sacrifice of himself, he would deal with sin. Take it away. Offered one sacrifice for sins forever. Sat down at the right hand. That's why he could go sit down. That's why he could ascend. Because it's finished. You don't need to come back. My one sacrifice dealt with your sin. Verses 13. 
from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. You see, if you don't understand the victory over sin, you're struggling to deal with your enemies. Right? Verses 14. But by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. One offering, one death of himself made sure that you could be perfect forever if you have been sanctified by him. Where is that perfection? In spirit. That which is born of spirit is spirit. And Paul says, you must know this. He goes on again in Romans, he says, you must count it. In other words, how are you going to deal with the body of sin if you don't know that you are free from sin? Okay? One offering... It was not possible for the blood of bulls and of goats and of animals to take away our sin. But it was possible for the Lamb of God to take it away from us. Where did He take it away? In our spirit. So when you struggle with the body of sin, you must say, I am free. Because you walk by faith and for you, it's not like you're trying to say something that isn't true. You see, that's what sometimes faith is for us. Faith is saying something. Say it. Say it. And as long, if you say it long enough, it will be. No. It actually is. You actually are free. Go, go back to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 6. Let's read verses 6 again. Knowing this. Tell the person, do you know this? What must you know? That our old man is crucified. What was the old man? The old man of the spirit that was in sin, separated from God, dead because of sin. That old man is dead. But he has now been crucified. Look here. Then he says, that the body of sin, that thing you don't want to tell your brother and sister right now, might be destroyed. You know what that word destroyed means? It means rendered useless. Rendered ineffective. 
It also means to fire him. Unemployed. To be entirely idle. To make void. To have no effect upon me. So there's a body of sin that we face. But if I understand that my inner man has been crucified. It is true. That's why I say, only the Holy Spirit can make it real to you. For you to understand that truly you are dead. And if you are dead, you are free from sin. Look here. Then he says, so that from now on you should not be serve sin or no longer be slaves of sin. So your old man is crucified. Your sin has been dealt with. And because the root cause of sin has been dealt with. This is why you have power to no longer be slaves of sin. Therefore it is by faith. What is faith? Faith is concerning unseen things. You can't see your spirit, but the word must show you what happened to you. Okay? Look, verses, verses 8, 7, sorry. For he that is dead is freed For he that is dead. Are you dead? Yes. If you are dead, then you are free from sin. Where? Because death is what? Freedom from something. Separation from something. You have been separated from sin in your inner man. Is, is freed from sin. Verses 8. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also love... Okay. Maybe you're still struggling to, with the idea that I'm dead. Let's switch that around. Are you alive? Do you experience God? Does He talk to you? Do you feel him at home? Do you know that you're alive? If you can accept that, then you must also accept that you are dead. Because the only way you can be alive is if you died with him. If you didn't have your death, you could not be alive. It's easy to say you're alive, but it's difficult to accept that you are dead from from sin. You see, so now if you, if you can accept that you are dead and believe that, then grace works. This is how grace gives you dominion 
over the body of sin. But when you don't know, then you put rules upon yourself for, for sanctification. Because you can't accept that you are free from sin. So you have to give yourself a rule to be free. But when you can believe that you are free, then grace works to give you freedom. If righteousness comes by works, then Christ is dead in vain. But therefore it is by faith that it might be by grace. Your inner man is free from sin. I don't know how else I can say that. That's why I say only the Holy Spirit can make that real to you. It's true for healing. We'll get into that. You cannot be what you are not already. Listen to that. You cannot be what you are already if you are not it already. In other words, you cannot be a son if you are not a son already. You are already a son. That's why you can exist one. Right? You cannot love righteously if you are not already righteous. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. It must be the timer. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Uh, look what he goes on to say. Verse 9. Tell the person next to you, you've got to know something. Yes, coming something that you must know. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, dies no more. How did you die the first time? Because of sin. If you cannot die, then sin cannot touch you. Death has no more dominion over him. I thought you received eternal life. Either it's eternal or it's not. The order of Melchizedek is that you live by the power of an indestructible life. You are alive in him. So this is where you have passed over from death to life. Verses, na- verses 10. 
Verses 10, look what it says. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he lives, he lives unto God. Verses 11, tell the person next to you, you got to know something. Likewise, reckon, come to this conclusion. Come to this, you know, this word reckon. You know, it, it means to kind of like put the sums together. One plus one is, is two. Okay? Not one this time. It's two. Two plus two is four, not three. Uh, likewise, everything I'm saying must bring you to this conclusion. Reckon you also yourselves to be what? Indeed. Reckon yourselves to be dead. Indeed. Unto sin. He says indeed. You are dead to sin. But alive unto God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. You are alive. You don't feel the life. Because you don't know you're alive. You look for life outside. Not knowing that life is in you. He that has the son. Has life. Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin. You are dead. You are free from sin. Believe it. Accept it. By faith, make it reality. It is a reality. But faith makes the power of that an experience. You are free. Dead to sin indeed. My inner man is so free from sin. The contaminations are in my soul and my body. But my spirit man died once with him. To live forever in him. Verses 12. Let not sin therefore reign where? In your spirit or in your body? In your body. Why? Because in your spirit man you are free from it. So because you are free internally, don't let sin rule in your body. That you should obey it in the lust thereof. Next one, verses 13. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteous, righteousness unto God. Now your body must be the slave of the reality of what's in you. 
You struggle with sin because you don't know. That you are free. You don't know that you are free. And your faith needs to be stronger. And it's only become stronger as it is fed by the word of God. That brings conviction and assurance and understanding And opens your eyes to see that truly I am free. So that when I make a confession of faith. It is not me saying I hope it's going to be. It is me agreeing with what is already true. My confession of faith. When I am dealing with my struggles. Is I am free from you. It is a reality. You cannot become what you are not already. I'll end over this. In the book of Exodus, chapter 3, I think it is. Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. What am I trying to show you? I'm trying to show you something that's a reality on the inside of you. I struggled with, should I call this the doctrine of Christ? Or should I call this the inner realities of Christ? It says, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come to the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? So God appears to Moses and is now going to say, Listen, I've seen my people, I've seen their cries. I want you now to go to them and tell them I've heard their cries. I've come to set them free. Moses says, Lord, if I go, what must I say? Who sent me? Verses 14. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shall you say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent you. Now the Hebrew word for I am, I am that I am. You know, you can translate it, I exist in whatever I exist. I am whatever I am. I will be whatever I am already. So he says, if I journey with you and you need healing, I am Jehovah Rapha. If you need a deliverer, I am Him. For whatever I am, I will be. In other words, God's saying, I can become it all because I am it. But now go to Genesis chapter 1. So that you can understand. Genesis chapter 1. 
verses 3. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Do you know what the Hebrew word Hebrew words for let there be. They could, have said, they could have written I am that I am. It's the exact same Hebrew word for I am. In other words, there cannot be if you are not. In other words, God is saying, you cannot be a son if I have not already made you one. You already are a son. So therefore you can have power over sin. Because I've already made you free from sin. You are righteous and you can live righteous. Because I have already made you righteous. I have already forgiven you. So there are realities on the inside of you. That you are so unaware of. And in not knowing, you cannot become. You must know that you have been crucified with Him. And you will, if you go through the New Testament... Then you will start to discover that all these things are internally a reality. It comes from inside. This is how it was finished. You have been made righteous. Finished. Your job is to believe that. So that, it, so that you can experience it. Your job is to walk in what He has already done for you. He already made you sit in heavenly places. Your job is to take it. He is not denying you freedom from sin. Is that you have not discovered that you are free. You have to know it. You cannot be what you do not know that you already are. But when we don't know that we are, we try to become. Not knowing that we are. And in becoming, we are religious. That is where religion comes from. Because we as believers don't know what's real. For us. Okay. Let me end there. Otherwise. We. Brothers and sisters. Today I, wanna, I want you to know. That there are realities that have taken place on the inside. When Jesus cried at the cross. It is finished. And when you accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, He finished something in you. You are already forgiven. You've already died. You've already been crucified. You are already alive. 
You are already free from sin. You are already ascended up far above at the right hand of the Father in Christ. You've already been made to sit there. You are already alive. All you need to do is you need to believe that. You have eternal life. And sometimes we make mistakes. But one offering was enough to sanctify you forever. The blood of Jesus never gets old. Let's stand, let's stand. By one sacrifice, you were cleansed forever. Just close your eyes and lift up your hands. The Bible says, let us boldly enter into His throne. We engage Him with our spirit. You stand before Him clean, holy, pure, able to ascend. You are ready in Him. You are alive. You are forever alive in Him. Father, I pray that only your Spirit can cause us to see. We come today knowing that you took away our sin by the blood of Jesus. You sanctified us forever. And therefore you said, come boldly to the throne of grace. That you may obtain mercy to help you in the time of need. I pray, Lord, give us victory over the body of sin. Because you already gave us victory over sin itself. My spirit is alive. My spirit is the one that is born of God. I am a son of God. Born not of the flesh... But born of the Spirit, I have your DNA. I am a partaker of your divine nature. You have become my Father. And I have been lifted up into a higher state of existence. I am a son, not of a man. But I am a son of the Most High God. God is my Father. And I am alive with Him. I have passed over from death to life. I love, I have died with Christ. And I am so alive in you. That life has been hidden in Christ, in God, inside of me. Truly, we can say, I am crucified with Christ. Yet, I love, yet it is not me who loves, but it is Christ who lives inside of me. And the life that I am now living in this flesh, I love by the faith of the Son of God who died for me. We believe that we are dead. And we also know that we are alive 
And my prayer, Holy Spirit, open your word to them. Make it a reality, something to be experienced. Let us touch and taste and handle the inner realities. Let us experience it. May we walk out from this place. And Holy Spirit, may you take that word and may you make it alive to us. That while we lying on our bed, all of a sudden, veils are being removed. Blindness is going. And we cry out, I am free. I am alive in you. I am with you. I live with you forever. You took away our sin. We came out from you. And therefore, you long for us. We are your church, your Isha. You always long for us. So Father, as we continue in this message, in this series, I pray, Lord, that that truly we will see. We will see things that we have not seen. And we will know things with a different knowing. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody say, Amen, Amen. Just turn to person next to you and say, Jy is toch so vry. Gloe jy dit.